This podcast is being brought to you by Leftover Energy, LLC. I am service. I am uplift. Yeah, 2012 is when I lost 100 pounds with Nikita's thing. I remember her program. You remember that? Mm. Uh huh. The, what was it? It was like, some kind of shakes. Yeah, I'm trying her to remember the Dr. name. Her and Dr. Jamie were doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, in in, wait, let me remember right. I think it was in ninety. Yes, I lost ninety pounds in ninety days. Wow. I lost ninety pounds, and at that time, I had gotten down to one seventy six. And my mom was like, uh-uh, you look You're too, too little. smart. You yeah. Know, you come here and eat. You look emaciated in the face. So I've done just about every program that it is um, because, you know, um, I, I say I'm ghetto fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pear-shaped. You pear-shaped. Yeah, pear-shaped. So, you know, we, I'm in like booties and thighs. Yes, that's but right. But over time, of course, that can expand. <laughs> So I've done all of the quick ways. Yeah. And I can lose 20 pounds quicker than anybody I know. Get it off right. real quick. Right. But now I'm 49. Yeah. I'm headed to 50. Yeah. I really want to get myself in the practice of eating healthier, yeah. moving more. That's sustainable. I don't want to do the 90 pounds in 90 days yeah. anymore. And that's, I want to that's just my problem. slow and steady. To get it done. Because um, I'm very goal-oriented. So, Majesty the Classic, every year, mm-hmm. I can lose me 20 pounds. To so, you'd be ready. <laughs> and that's me. Like, <laughs> I am... Representative... Marika Coleman was elected to the Alabama House of Representatives in 2002 and is now serving her fifth term as a member of the legislative body. She currently serves as a member of leadership of the 105-member body as the assistant minority leader, the first person ever to serve in this position. Representative Coleman is a member of the powerful Judiciary Committee that creates and develops all criminal and civil laws in the state of Alabama. In addition, she is the only female member of the Banking Committee and is a former member of the Ways and Means Committee that develops the budget for all Alabama state departments. Previously, Representative Coleman served as chair of the Boards and Commission Committee, one of only three women of the House of Representatives that served in leadership at the time. In addition to Representative Coleman's two degrees from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, a Bachelor's of Arts in Communication and a Master's of Public Administration, she completed her Doctor of Jurisprudence from the Birmingham School of Law and was a member of the 2017 2018 graduating class, graduating with honors. Professionally, Representative Coleman presently serves as an assistant professor of political science and social justice initiative special assistant at Miles College located in historic Fairfield, Alabama. In addition, 
She is the owner of the law offices of Marika Coleman, LLC, a law firm which focuses on domestic relations and family law, as well as estate planning. We will go into a little bit more in our conversation. But first, will you do me a quick favor? What's that? Tell me a joke. All right. <laughs> Here it is. And I'm not a jokey, jokey person, but I, I, I like this one. All right. You like it. I like it. All right. So you got a whole lot of cats in the barbershop, okay. right? So the barber says, look, there's this kid that comes in here all the time. He's the dumbest kid you ever want to meet. So as he's telling this, the kid is actually coming through the door. Uh-huh. And he said, watch this. Hey, kid, come here. Come here. And so he says, so I have money in both of my hands. In my right hand, I got $1. In my left hand, I have 50 cents. Whatever hand that you choose, you can keep that money. So the kid looks at the right hand, the left hand, the right hand, the left hand. And the kid says, I'll take the left hand that has the two quarters, the 50 cents. And the barber, he just kind of chuckles a little bit under his breath. You know, the kid walks on out of the barbershop. He says, see, I told you, I told y'all he is the dumbest kid alive. I don't know what it is about this kid. He takes the 50 cents every single time. Everybody just like, <laughs> take the 50 cents every single time. So a little bit later, you know, one of, the, one of the brothers that had gotten his fade finished, you know, he leaves the barbershop. And as he's leaving the barbershop, he sees the kid coming out of the ice cream shop licking on his ice cream cone. And he can't help himself. He, he has to find out, why did the kid take the 50 cents? So he goes up to the kid and says, Kid, how come when you had the choice between taking $1 out of the right hand and 50 cents out of the left hand, you took the 50 cents? The kid continues to lick on his ice cream cone, and he says, Once I take the dollar, the game is over. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to be it. I like that. And I like stuff like that because he outwitted him. That's right. That's it. That's right. (laughs) Now, did you hear about the actor who fell through the floorboards? I have not heard about the actor that that fell through the floorboards. It's nothing. He was just going through a stage. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we were sitting here. First of all, thank you for coming. I'm glad to be here. We have been trying to get Miss Marika Coleman on here for a minute, but she has been out campaigning, kicking butts, taking names, and is now the, I I, want to use words that they would say, the presumptive choice, the presumptive nominee (laughs) for State Senate District. 19. So I am the Democratic nominee mm-hmm. um, and a, a few weeks ago. And so we, I, I'm, I'm going to receive that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, the Secretary of State did call me to let me know that I have a libertarian. He was kicked off the ballot and then he ended up appealing to ethics. Oh, and really? So, they now? Had, so he, I do have a libertarian on the ballot. So I'm still, but it's, you know, we're in Alabama's very right. gerrymandered district. Mm-hmm. This district is for, it really drawn for a black Democrat. Right. So we feel real good. But if you put your name on the ballot um, next to mine, I'm going to beat you like you stole something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to take it for granted. We're going to beat you like you stole something. Now, this is something um, I, I normally wouldn't share this, mm. but I'm going to share it. Um, 
Marika don't play when it comes to campaigns and people running against her. I'm just telling you now. Um, as sweet and as <laughs> ladylike and, oh, she's just a Southern belle. I mean, if, if you know Marika Kobe, you know she is a lady. She is well, definitely a, a, uh, a woman amongst women. But she don't play by these elections. She does not play about these elections. And you have been successful. We have been. And I say we because it's been a team of people. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, we we had, we did a little molly whopping in the primary. <laughs> <laughs> we won the primary with 73% of the vote against another House member. 73. 73% of the vote when nobody thought we could do that. But, you know. We got Deanna Reed on the team. Go D. All kinds of young people um, who just really rallied around our campaign. And we're laughing and we're taking, talking, being very cavalier about the numbers and even that I take the campaigning portion seriously. But I take the campaigning portion serious because these issues are serious. Yeah. It is very serious what we're going through as a black community, as a nation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, uh, if there's somebody else that comes up that I, you know, I feel like I, I can help and support, I will do that. But in the particular races that I've been in thus far, um, uh, we thought that I would be the voice <laughs> for those particular campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and thank God, and I have to I have to really thank my constituents and all of those people that have supported me through the years. My family has been absolutely amazing. My mother actually lives in St. Louis right now. She's from Birmingham. She Birmingham bred. Went to uh, went to uh, uh, Western Nolan High School, class of 1969. But right before COVID, she went to St. Louis and ended up having to take residency there. So she's th still there. We're trying to get her back home. Okay. But from St. Louis, my mom is campaigning for me. So my mom <laughs> is doing phone calling yeah. today. True, true, true story. Yeah. Um, October nineteenth. Uh huh. Um, earlier on October nineteenth, I'm in the calf at Miles College. Uh huh. Right. One of my former students, who is actually an employee of Miles, said to me, "Hey, uh, Miss Coleman, do you have a woman named?" Pauline, Paula, something like that, campaigning for you and making phone calls. Um, I said, I have a woman named Paulette uh -huh. who's making phone calls for me. He said, well, she called me Saturday during homecoming <laughs> <laughs> and said, well, I'm so glad that you didn't hang up. I need you to support Marika Coleman and you support Marika Coleman by voting the straight Democratic ticket. And I'm thinking, ooh. Mom, that's the script, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and, and he said, and I told her I was going to vote. And I said, well, that was my mama. Uh -huh. And he said, what? I said, that was my mother. That's my mama. Yeah. So my family has been absolutely amazing. My children, I have adult children now. My daughter, Alexia, is 24. My son is 22. Xavier, he's a student at Miles. Alexia. 24 and Yes. Can you believe that? No, I can't. That's why, like, when we, 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 we were talking about gaining weight and all of that, I used to be able to say, oh, I have small children. <laughs> I got baby weight I on got, me. Yeah, it still got a little baby weight on <laughs> no, me. No, they are 24 wow. and 22 um, amazing kids, um, and they have shared their mother with the public for the past 20 years. That's right. And But this campaign cycle, they were on the team. Um, Alexia actually was one, a part of the field team for the Democratic Party. I mean, she has a political science degree from Vanderbilt. Okay. And so she has been a part of my campaign, um, working with that field team and training others and very excited. My son, 
Um, there are some people. My son is beautiful. He uh-huh. mine. You can't hear him, but he mine. Yeah. Both of my, my children, I say, have untraditional looks. My daughter um, looks like you. Her head is as bald as yours. I've seen She has pictures. it all the way down. Beautiful. Yeah. My son has dreads that almost hang to his shoulders. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So my son, in, in the campaigning aspect, would have a non-traditional look. Uh-huh. He has a way with people. Yeah. That, you know, maybe somebody wasn't feeling me. Right. But they might be feeling him. That's and right. feeling a young man that's out here on behalf of his mother. Because I, I tell him, hey, connect it. Right. You know, let them know because you all know me better than anybody else. Right. So I've been blessed. That's awesome. Yeah. When we were sitting here talking um, before the show, you were mentioning that you're a military brat. I, I didn't am. know that. I am. My now, dad, I live with a real live American hero. Awesome. Uh, my dad uh, served 22 years in the United States Air Force. I was born in England. Um, I have lived around the country and settled here in the state of Alabama. And that's why, although Alabama's home, Tuscaloosa and Birmingham are my parents' home. My mom, again, I, as I said, went to Western Lone High School. My dad, class of 69, drew it. They met in Texas in college. Really? They met in Texas at where? Uh, um, at Jarvis Christian College. Jarvis Hawkins, Christian College, Texas. But yeah, I live okay. with a real life American hero. My father um, 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 fought in Desert Storm One. I didn't even know if he was going to make it home for my my graduation. He is a de- disabled vet because of his service to this country, mm. and so the freedoms that we take it, uh, you know, for granted. You know, I got a chance to live with someone who is fighting on behalf of this country. And when we live in foreign countries, um, y'all, y'all, <laughs> y'all, um, they either love us or they hate us. Yeah. So even when I, I when I was living in Europe later on in my high school years, it just really depend on what was going on outside of the gates mm-hmm. to our, our safety. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that man, um, absolutely amazing. Today, um, or October 19th, um, <laughs> On October 19th, he got out of the hospital. Um, he has been ill now from June of 2022 until present. Wow. And very, very, you know, yesterday they uh, on the on the 18th, they had us to do family education um, at Lakeshore. Okay. And one of the things that the physical therapist said to me was, he just has this fighting spirit. He just wants to be well. He just wants to be mobile. And that's really why he has progressed as well as he has. So he is my hero. Um, so I don't beautiful. have to say somebody of uh, of a historical nature um, or somebody that I've read about. I, I, I live with my hero. That is so awesome. Yeah, thank you. For and that. it it is that what propelled you into public service, or yeah. how did that come? Yeah, up? one one hundred percent. My dad, of course, serving um, in, in the military. My mother was a homemaker. Although my mom actually went to Alabama A&M. Uh-huh. She had a degree in um, accounting. But, um, but like... I'm guaranteed, yeah, go with her. Mm-hmm. But she was like my Girl Scout troop leader. Really? So, yeah, she was very actively engaged. My grandmother, Lucille Williams, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, just about every last one of us lived with her at some point. Uh-huh. And she gave, gave, gave to the community. I saw from the people who were my immediate family, the spirit of service. Right. I knew at a very early age that I wanted to be a public servant. 
I didn't know what that looked like. Right. I, I remember being um, in my ancient civilization class, like a history class mm-hmm. in the 10th grade, and we had to do research mm-hmm. and talk about what we wanted to be when we grew up. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I knew I wanted to serve, and the only thing that I knew that was was the president of the United States. Yeah. So my whole my whole trajectory to being the public servant was I was going to go to law school, uh-huh. become a federal judge. Okay. And I don't know why I thought I'd be a federal judge because Really, that's a lifetime appointment. Right. Be a federal judge. Right. And then run and be president of the United States. So I didn't even I didn't even know then, um, I mean, about although I saw activism yeah. and I saw justice, I didn't even know that that was another way to serve. Yeah. You know, because that's that's public service also. Right. But looking at all of those people um in my family, I knew I wanted to serve. And and, and what I was gonna ask was you knew you wanted you I say all the time, like talk in, in in talking about my parents, giving is just that was just yes. innate with me, That's right? right? Okay. You know, um, but I guess what I'm asking is, did you ever think about serving though, like going yeah. to the military? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's the question. Look, I yeah. cut you off. See, that's what happened. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. So um I at one point when I finished undergrad. Yeah. There was a kind of this little window where I was uncertain. Like my my daughter always says, "Mom, you already knew what your plan was. You always did." You. I said, "No." There have been times, even now, there are times when I didn't know what the next step was. Really? And so I, yeah. And so I thought about. I'm going, like your daughter. Yeah, I th- that's I what she you said. Had it, you know. I actually took the ASVAB. Mm-hmm. Um, had planned on going into the Air Force. Um, had a score nice enough to like, go into the Air Force. And I, I really wish I would have done it, but to, <laughs> to be an officer. Uh-huh. Um, and I had told myself, because I had the communications degree, yeah. that, oh, boy, I could be an officer in the military, and I could be you know, reporting from war-torn areas and all this <laughs> stuff I had in my head. But very shortly after that, I got into grad school at UAB. Gotcha. But gotcha. not only did I get into grad school, I got a fellowship. They had given me money to go to school, and I was going to get a check every month. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so here it is. And then my dad was not supportive of me going into the military. Like, he loves Uh his time. But But he didn't want that for you. Well, he served in a time where he was discriminated against. That's right. And he didn't want that for me. Yeah. Right? So he he said, you know, the things that I saw, because he said, you know, you feel like you had an amazing childhood, all of this diversity and all of that, but that's not what happened at the squadron level. Right. And so he wasn't supportive of it. And so when I had that opportunity to uh, to go to school and get a check, mm-hmm. um, I took that opportunity. In hindsight, especially now because of the services that we need from my father mm-hmm. and what the military has provided for him, my, my dad to get a new car every two years. Yeah. But he's a disabled vet. He's wheelchair bound. Gotcha. And so that so and then when he had a spinal cord injury. He goes to a spinal cord clinic, all of that. And so the healthcare services, when you can get them, that's a whole nother conversation. Right, right. They are great. Right. And so sometimes I go, well, I wish I would have, you know, gone in and served at least about four years or so. Right. You know, just to 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 do it. Uh-huh. Um, have that experience. Um, you know, in in Birmingham, um, and a lot of southern places, really now almost around the country, it's still segregated. Yeah. By yeah. income. Yeah. And so that income segregation in many situations ends up being a racial That's right. segregation or and then you know on church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, we the so most segregated yeah, but hour. in the military, my particular experience was I went to a very I went to very diverse schools. Gotcha. But it prepared me for public service today 
but also going to that school in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, mm-hmm. my 11th to 12th grade year. Mm-hmm. It really, I think it, it, it put the stamp on it for me of the inequalities that were still happening because I was sheltered. Really? I really what my dad, as much as he, he, he told me that later on, he was an NCO, meaning he was not an officer. He didn't have the college degree when he went to, went to, but he was, a, he was a squadron leader. He was gotcha. the top of his game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they treated the children like that too, on the air force base, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. I, you know, and then I was actively involved in absolutely everything. But so I, I went to school with my neighbors where you got white neighbors on this side. You got somebody over here. We had a neighbor where the husband was Japanese of, of Japanese American and the wife was Mexican American. Oh, wow. And so, you know, they had biracial children. Yeah. So there were all kinds of mix. I mean, I, you know, you dated whoever you wanted to date it in the high school that I went to. Mm-hmm. So I just, just, you know, came up like, it's just a beautiful world. Right. Right. Everybody gets along. Right. You know, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And, but going to school in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I needed that. Um, Charles Steele, former um, member of the legislature, um, yeah. Senator Steele, who I still believe is like the national um, president of SCLC. Yeah. His wife was one of my teachers at Central High School in Tuscaloosa. Really? Yes, Mrs. Steele. And so through that, I got exposed to SCLC early on in high school. And he asked me to, because, man, I'm doing everything. I'm new at the school, but I ran for, uh, um, um, we, we didn't call it SGA. It was student cabinet. I was, you know, flopping and flipping everywhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just miss want to be involved. And so um, um, Senator still asked me to attend, uh, as a youth leader, the SCLC conference. Okay. But he said, you have to get an excuse absence from school to do it. Oh, no problem. Uh-huh. Right? I attend Central High School in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Dr. Rome was our principal at the time. And I go see Dr. Rome, tell him what's going on. And he was does not, you know, approve me to have an excuse absence. But yet really? I also knew that the white girls who were going to Kiwanis Club pageants and different things like that, yeah. they got excused absence. I didn't even think that it would have been a difference. Right. And so when I went back to talk to Senator Skill about it, he said, so now you see. And it was one of the, it was, you know, you have, you, you have defining moments in your life. Yeah. It was a defining moment in my life. I ended up, you know, actually minoring in, in college in African-American studies. Um, you know, that the same girl that, you know, thought, you know, the world is great. Mm-hmm. Everybody equal. You can love who you want to love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's treated the same. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I thank God for those experiences because it prepared me for what I do now. And now, I mean, I'm like, fight the power now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Dr. Geraldine Agee, Miles College Provost and Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs, and I'm here to tell you that now is your time. Miles College is Birmingham's premier four-year HBCU. We offer intimate class sizes, accessible faculty, and a personalized career plan with you in mind. Whether it's your first time in college or you want to return and finish, please come experience Miles College and let us invest in your future. What is your favorite charity right now? Ooh, so many really, really good ones. Brenda's Brown, Bosom Buddy, uh, I mean, it's seven, but my favorite. Um, young lady out of Fairfield, Alabama, started a, um, a nonprofit, Stream Innovations. Tell and me it, about is, it. it is it is is STEM education. Okay. But the stream is I want to make sure I get it right. 
science reading, science, technology, reading. Mm -hmm. What's the E? Uh, but it brings in arts as well. And, you know, gotcha. you know it's, but it brings in the arts as well. Right. Um, she is doing amazing work in STEM education around our county. She is now nationally recognized. She actually said, out of Fairfield, went to Fairfield High School. Really? Went to Fairfield High School. Dr. Adrian Starks. Okay. Um, she went on to work for the National Science Foundation, lived in Maryland and D.C., did all of that work. Okay. But just like a whole lot of us, she had uh, uh, an issue with one of her parents. She mm. moved back to Alabama, now lives in Fairfield, and has been rocking and rolling. And I am so proud of the work that she does. I financially support um, that, uh, that organization, really encouraging young people, especially young girls, mm. to go into the STEM fields. Right. Um, because we need them. Yeah. We need their voices. Um, they get a chance to make a great living, but have an impact on their community in this country. That's right. We are lacking in those, in the STEM fields in the African-American community. So very excited about the work that she's doing. Um, but check this out. Fairfield, Alabama. Fairfield, Alabama. I'm looking at the today show and I know I saw some stuff on her, um, her Instagram. Mm hmm. And I see all of these women in STEM from all around the country, and I see the statues. Mm -hmm. Adrienne Stark from Fairfield, Alabama, had there was a statue made of her along with 124 other women, black women from around the country in STEM that are being um, recognized all over the country. Can you imagine your own statue That's at the so Smithsonian awesome. Institute traveling around um, and recognize again, but here is the issue. And I was talking to some other folks about that. You asked me one question and I'm going to lead to something else. She had to leave Alabama, went to DC doing all of this research, national recognition, even there. When she came back to Alabama, no opportunities. So she had to create her own mm. opportunity. That's a problem too now. Yeah. That's a whole nother problem yeah. that we have to make sure that there are opportunities, especially in the STEM and all the creative. There's so many creative creatives here as well yeah. that they don't have to leave Birmingham to go somewhere else to make a living and then come back. Ain't that something? Right. I, I think it's neat that she threw the arts in because yeah. a lot of times when our kids are in these STEM programs, they don't have any extracurricular, that's right. you know, to, to that's right. expound on. And I think that that's cool. Well, if I'm going to ask you some this or that question. Okay. And if you don't answer one, you got to make another donation to the to academy. Stream it. Okay. All right. they're easy. You, you ain't going to have a problem with it. Magic City Classics coming. Yes. Alabama State or A&M. Oh, you're trying to get me in trouble. My, my mother <laughs> went to Alabama A&M, no. Okay. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, that that's legacy. Yeah. So, so it, that Alabama A&M. All right. This one is real easy. Alabama or Auburn. Roll, Roll Tide. Tide. Roll Tide, <laughs> baby. Roll Tide. Now, Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Whew. That is a hard one. So, Stallions for me... Um, is also historical. I went to college when the Stallions were here before, you know, when yeah. I thought I was fine and a whippersnapper and all of that stuff and all the <laughs> fine football players and all that. So I have great memories of the Birmingham Stallions. So I'm going to say the Stallions. <laughs> <laughs> the Birmingham Barons or the Birmingham Squadron? Hmm. So don't do a whole lot of baseball, but know the Barons more in the history of them. Okay. 
Civil Rights Institute or Negro League Museum? Oh, that's just too hard. <laughs> I mean, you're wrong for that one right there. I can't do that one, so you then I'm going to have to make another donation. I am getting these donations <laughs> for these 501c3s. I'm going to have to make a donation. Way to go, Iva. <laughs> Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Um, so Vulcan Park, I have to say it, uh, that is, okay. uh, again, but that goes to my personal experience being a college student, going to Vulcan. Yeah. Y'all know Vulcan back in the day used to be like Lookout Mountain. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the point. The point, yeah. <laughs> if the boy took you on a date to Vulcan, y'all were doing I'm something. Y'all were, he, meant you, he meant something. I'm you trying meant something to tell you. And yeah. I got to uh, tell a little story right there. My um, god sister, Shannon Fuller, her father worked at Vulcan. And so all through high school when I was driving mm -hmm. and we get to take the ladies on the young ladies on dates, I would take them up, up to, to Vulcan because I got in free. You got in free. <laughs> I love it. So uh love shout it. out to uh my godfather William Fuller. Good got looking a out. Sugar for free. <laughs> you know it. Crossplex or Legion Field? So another hard one. So I'm definitely going to have to make another donation. <laughs> I mean, both of those historic, um, you know, entities that yeah. for this. But, but you know, Legion Field, of course, and all of the history. Right. But Crossplex, that's over at Five Points West now. You know, right. That's like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to make another donation. I'm glad you didn't tell me how much it was. A <laughs> <laughs> $1,000. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Ooh, so we just thought we just uh, uh, we just started we just talked about STEM, and just because <laughs> I want to push STEM, we'll go with the McWayne Center. Okay, protective stadium or legacy arena? Who that's an easy one to me. Um, um, just I, protective uh, uh, is a is an easier one for me for all of the 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 opportunity for greatness. I went in there for the World Game, ended up with COVID now, but I did go there really? for the World Game. <laughs> <laughs> the opening and closing were absolutely amazing. Were so amazing. I, that, I, that one that one was easier for me. Botanical gardens or railroad park? Railroad. Okay. That's a that's a and it's it is the center it is the center of the city. It gets us very close to being in one of those large metropolitan areas where you go to their Central Park. Yeah. Um. There's yeah. definitely so much value in botanical botanical gardens. A lot of good pictures been taken out of the botanical <laughs> garden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm loving Railroad Park. I love me some Railroad Park, Regions Park or Rickwood Field. So I got to go with Rick, Rickwood on that one. I know okay. Regions is beautiful and absolutely amazing, but my kids went to Princeton yeah. and Birmingham. Rickwood is down the street. Yeah. You know, we got a little free tickets. It gives me memories of my little kids and also the historical aspect of Rickwood Field. That's right. So, you know, I got to go with Rickwood on that one. Um. Yeah, that's it. That was too easy. And then I, I was only I out of $2,000. <laughs> now, um, I want to go here. You are um, a Democrat. I am. And you are one of, and this is just my opinion. Uh, to me, you're one of the few Democrats that actually get something done mm. in in Montgomery, what 
what are you up against? What are you facing? Yeah. How do you plan to approach yeah. being a state senator in the state of Alabama? Yeah, so um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take up from my colleagues actually because there's so few of us. Mm-hmm. There's 140 members of the Alabama legislature, only 35 Democrats, mm-hmm. and only and, uh, and I'm sorry, only 35 Black people, and 37 Democrats. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know we often collectively do things together. Mm-hmm. Although I sponsor certain things, like I've sponsored the effort to remove the racist language from the Alabama state constitution, which will be on the ballot. I couldn't do that by myself. Right. My colleagues had to help me with that. They had to vote for it. They had to champion it. And so, um, one of the things we have to do, you know, I was on a local radio show with one of my constituents. I have a constituent that has a, you know, drive time radio show. I don't know if I'm allowed to say yeah, it or not. You can oh, say Chris, it. Chris Coleman. I was yeah. on Chris Coleman's show, who's my brother. Yeah. And you know, his frustration um about us not being able to move certain things black. Mm-hmm. My same frustration. Mm-hmm. Um and then but they're still having to explain to the public that 140 members, 35 black folks. <laughs> 37, 30, 35 black people, 37 Democrats, and the majority of the legislature coming from rural Alabama. We are, I mean, the odds are stacked against us. So when we get anything done, we have to do that in collaboration. I mean, you have to be able to work across the aisle. We don't get anything done without being able to work across the aisle. However, um, people play different roles. Okay. Mary Moore and I were talking, she, we were talking years, this is many, many, many years ago about a particular issue. And on this particular issue, I think I was able to, <clears throat> I got some money for Lawson State Community College. And on that particular issue, um, Demetrius Newton, former pro tem, was still living. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were negotiating money for um, Lawson State Community College. And when, and they said they, they were not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It, to go in the Alabama Technology Network. They were not going to do it to give that money. Mm-hmm. So now Newton comes back and he says to me, he said, hey, so I told them that I'm okay with it, but I don't know about Representative Coleman because Lawson is in my district, right? Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know about Representative Coleman. So he says, so you have full license to cut a book. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so he laid the foundation for me for me to go in there to say to them, because in the house there are 27, 28 black people. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me license to say, you know, hey, um, I, we will protest everything going on here. We will stop this full budget. And I got 27 other black people behind me that are going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's an example. Of what, but what Mary was saying was like in the movement, mm-hmm. people had different roles because she and I have two different legislative styles. Mm-hmm. So I cut a book that day. Right. But, but Mary cut a book every day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> every day. Right. Every day. And right. So, and she doesn't really do legislation. She does some. Right. But like her role is different than mine. Right. Like, and, 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 I, and I had never heard it articulated like this, but she was like, you know, I can, you know, do and say all this so you can go in the room and make the deal. That's right. And that's what the movement was. See, I'm I'm that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can either you can either deal with me that's right. or you can go deal with, that's you know, right. whomever and, right. and, and get what you all done. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so 
Yeah, so uh, do we have challenges? Yes, but we also have lots of opportunities. The Senate is different than the House. I'm actually really excited about going to the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more stuck in some of the old school ways that we had when it comes to, you know, tradition where the minority and the majority uh, kind of have to talk together, hash stuff out. The House is not like that at all. Them Trump, MAGA Republicans, they don't care anything about how you or I feel. Right. They don't care. It used to be we could also use the race. We could use the card because they didn't want to be called racist publicly. They don't care about that now. Right. Because they just are who they are. Right. So the Senate, though, I will actually have more of an opportunity. So the Senate is much smaller than the House. The district is three times larger. You know, some would say you have three times the influence. But also because the rules are different, the way they deal with each other is different. I'm excited about the opportunity to do more than what I've been able to do in the house. But That's interesting. Like, you're going to have to sell me on that. I'm going to tell you. Because. It's only nine Democrats out of 35 in the Senate. I know. And I'm just saying, like, I don't see any of that working together that yeah. you're talking about. So, and, and you are so on point. So, last night, I was speaking at Sanford. Mm-hmm. Last night on my whole effort that is going to be on the ballot mm-hmm. to ratify the Alabama state constitution to get rid of that. 1901 Constitution rooted Mm -hmm. in white supremacy, Mm -hmm. but we need to ratify it. Y'all got to vote on it. It's right before the amendments Mm -hmm. um, for us to get this 2022 Constitution. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking about this at Sanford with a room where there are only three black people in the room. Mm -hmm. One of the people, though, on the stage with me is one of our staff, um, Othney Latham, who works in our legislative restroom service. He's a a lawyer. Okay. What the public doesn't realize is that nearly 90% of legislation we all agree on. What you hear in the news is the most divisive stuff. Mm. You're going to hear that you're going to hear abortion. You're going to hear about gun safety issues. Um, You're going to hear about protest versus riot because mm-hmm. we had some when i tell that you trip we way, had some, that trip um, bill. We had, yeah we said so the majority of things we actually do agree on mm-hmm. it is that other stuff that really to us because we social justice people that that movement changing social that's the stuff we you most of the time hear about Mm-hmm. So there are situations where you would be now, shocked. Now, funny enough, I, as social justice, as pro-social justice as I am, I'm still conservative. Well, you know, you and I are gonna have to talk about that one day because you yeah. might you might be more conservative than me. You are you fiscally conservative? Is that is is it on the money or economic development? Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so, a so full I, hardcore GOP, and 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 I want to ask you that? that. Yeah, and, for real. For real, and and. This is the question that I have for you. Are there any white, non-Trump Republicans left in Alabama? Yeah. That's um, what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Yeah. There are, but their voices are uh, drowned out because they they're don't. They're drowned out. Well, they're they don't muffled. Have, they don't have the yeah. courage to me. I mean, of we got to talk not. about political courage. Right. You got to have the courage to step out there. Um, Liz Cheney stepped out there, and what happened? Exactly. She lost her primary, the Republican primary. But let, now let, listen to the way I put it. Now. Let like, me listen to you now. <laughs> See, you got to understand, uh, most of the times when I espouse why I'm a Republican. I did not know you were I really did not know that. White people don't necessarily like it. Really? Right. See, like pro- Life versus pro-choice. 
I'm pro-life. And I look at it just like white folk do. I don't want for our voting power to be diminished any more than it already is. There are more brown people. We are already the second minority now. We are. To to brown people. So so my point is, when it comes to um, um, birth control and not birth control so but abortion gonna, you and just all gonna of that. make the people have the babies and then uh, hey, and then they gonna hey, get here hey, and then somebody hey. not gonna men, take care men of them. Ain't, men ain't got a choice so y'all ain't got a choice you know what we need a whole nother hour <laughs> just on this because so where you're where you're right and, and yeah. remember I'm a social justice person yeah, so but I, I'm, I'm I try not to tell people they outright wrong yeah, but, tell where, me where I'm wrong. but where you are right mm-hmm. Is that the whole pro-life movement was created to make sure they kept having more babies yeah. and to cre- uh, to keep their population elevating for them to be the majority in this country? It's also is, why is, they it's also is, why they true. want the wall. That, that is true. That However, they also don't. They also you gonna don't let me get want, my point out, right? You're gonna I, let me get I, it out. I am. I just wanted to set you up <laughs> so you can answer completely. All right. So, my second issue, same thing. With immigration, I want I want to shut down immigration because it ain't a whole bunch of black folk that are coming into the country. It's not a whole bunch of people that look like us. It's brown folk and Europeans that are coming in here. So, yeah, I'm for putting a wall Okay, up. so uh, you ahead. know I'm a political scientist, so you're mm-hmm. going to have to show me the numbers when okay. it comes to... Um, of course, yes, there are Europeans that are coming here, um, but... We also have Haitians that are coming here. Um, so I don't want There are more Europeans let me, let coming me, here than Haitians. Let me, let me finish I'm my sorry. point I'm right sorry. here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The I'm immigration sorry. issue to me is more about a humanity issue, mm-hmm. about how we treat people once they actually get here. For you. You, you and I are actually closer than you think. No, we when, are. No, closer We're. than you think when it comes to the influx of people that are coming in here right now. Mm-hmm. I do have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. The number of people that are being let, but when they are here, we have to treat them like they are human beings. So we are closer when it comes there. But back on the abortion issue, you when you force somebody to have a child that either they do not want, talking about they, like let y'all me, do the men every day. Let me Go finish because ahead. of rape, incest, or any of that, mm-hmm. or. Or a child that they cannot afford. That could have been that adopted. That ends up being, well, I look at all the black children that are in adopted. I work in family court. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of black kids out here that need homes. Right. And so when you adopt one, then we really have that discussion. Because mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of them out here that need that need help. Now you made me lose my train of thought <laughs> so of where we I was talk- going. We were talking about the numbers overall. Yeah. Right. So the, the so so but when it comes to the get immigration to me we're closer. But on the abortion issue, I don't want anybody telling me what I ought to do with my stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to do that at all. I understand. And, but there are real deal children that come out of it. So while I'm over there in family court dealing with all of that trauma over there, it's a whole lot of kids that are children of people who should have never been parents. I can't, and I so can't what you're it. saying is because of numbers, mm-hmm. a, 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 a person who has been raped, a woman who has been raped, she's supposed to have that baby. 
if she does not want to now it happens people do end up having it if she but then that child think about that you force that woman to have a child Mm -hmm. she that child she looks at it and she sees her rapist Mm -hmm. every single day the level of resentfulness that could that could come from me having to take care of this my rapist child clothe it clothe it and i did say it Mm -hmm. Feed it, all of that. And I use that terminology because that is a person who may not see that as a child. Mm-hmm. That That's a person that may see it as, a, as an it. Mm-hmm. So then the trauma that then is d- bestowed upon that child who did not even ask to be here. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that that is the answer to our population issue. Now, let me let me address that. All right. In in instances of rape, incest, all of those negative things, oh, I'm absolutely in favor. But that's not the will of your legislature. Let me me finish. Let me finish. I'm 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 not a an animal, so I am on the side of that. But most of our divorce, I say divorce. Most of our abortions are forms of birth control. It's not a whole bunch of people running into the to the hospitals pregnant as a result of rape and incest. That is not what's Ooh, going Lord, on Jesus. all the time. Help us so Lord. my point here is that if we were to stop having abortions as birth control, then we could easily have this conversation about the abominations that happen and 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 how we should uh, um um bring bring change there but all i'm saying here is that when we're talking about abortion the 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 favorite thing for everybody to do is go to, to the extreme and in most days, we're not talking about extremes. So I am going to do something here on your show that <laughs> really is like, like I don't, I've never talked about what I'm getting ready to tell you publicly um, to anyone, um, especially in a media outlet. And it's because of I hear your passion, but I want to humanize it for you also. Mm-hmm. My senior year of high school, I got pregnant. Um... It wasn't even being irresponsible. It just was, it was, I mean, I was, you know, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Had a boyfriend that I loved. We wanted to show our love in that manner. And we ended up pregnant. Mm -hmm. We had to make a decision. Um, My parents don't even know this. Actually, if they listen to this podcast, this will be the first time they ever hear it. Um, We made a decision. It was really, it was, it was a week. Uh, He was not really happy with it, but it was my body. I made the decision to have that abortion. Um, This is the way I can rationalize it for me. Um, I made that decision so I could then go out here now and champion on behalf of all of the other children. That would have never happened. If I would have had that baby my senior year of high school, I would have married that young man, who is an amazing young man, and the things that he has been able to accomplish today, he would not have been able to accomplish um, the decision we had, we talked about it. It would have been we would have got married. He would have gone into the military. I don't know if I would have gotten a chance to go to college or not. Mm-hmm. And you would have never had a representative Marika Coleman. Mm-hmm. 
My turn. And so for me personally, this is my personal Go gut. The way I can rationalize it and be okay with it for me personally mm-hmm. is because I have touched the lives of so many children. I do have two biological children that came to term, mm-hmm. but in my mind I have three, mm-hmm. right? But I have two live children. My children don't even know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. right now. Um, but I want I want you to feel my spirit when I say that some people make that choice, not just for birth control, is for what ultimately their legacy will be. Now let me And I'm proud term, of what I'm what I'm, I'm living in, what I've accomplished. I understand, but now let me tell you, let me let you feel my side. And I've never shared this. I got a woman pregnant and I wanted to have the child. That's what that's that's your trauma there. I hear exactly. it. Exactly. I hear it. That's your trauma. I wanted that baby. I was 100% against abortion. I had no voice. I had no say-so. And so when people come to me and say um, the things that you say, I get it. I I, I get it because I actually feel it. Yeah. And so, therefore, I, in, 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 in all of my resentment and all of my pain, and all of those things, I feel I I have real emotional you do. Con, uh, you do. Um, connection to the issue. And there's value to that. And I'm not going to take away from that value. So let's say this then. In both of our situations, I feel like what could have happened, what could have been, we really should have had those kinds of conversations prior to betting a person. Oh, absolutely. And and that and that's real talk. That's real talk. You know, I'm 17. We ain't thinking about nothing. You actually right. thinking nothing will happen, but those are conversations I was, that I, need to be had. I was 26. Yeah, oh lord. Whew. So yeah. so it we're talking I'm a that's grown man. That is real and trauma. And I I had not had a child. I wanted that baby. And so I in all things, be it my alcoholism, my mental health, this is the reason that I share these things. Yeah. I'm, you know, most people, so people won't say, yeah most, yeah, most men ain't going to say something like this. But, yeah, there's, a, there's another side. So if we were to address these issues. I think prior to. Yeah. We need to have you know those I, discussions yeah. prior to, and especially with you all being adults. Mm-hmm. That you really should have. And I don't know the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was one night stand or a long-term relationship. But I think that those are those are conversations that we have to have. We owe it to ourselves and to our uh, partners mm-hmm. to have those real deal conversations in advance. I'm actually, with both of us opening up about our actual personal trauma, mm-hmm. um, it gives me hope for the black community as a whole. Um, I do still teach at Miles College, although I, I have my, my law firm. And um, I have we we have had some real conversations over the past few days. Abortion was one of the issues that mm-hmm. you know they got bouted about it on. Yeah, you know, in the I'm class, sure. I have a young man in the class that feels very very close to what you are saying right now. But as a black community, there are things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about mental health. We weren't talking about it. COVID taught us that we really need to talk about mental health. But this gives me hope that we can have dialogue with differing opinions and still come up with somewhere in the middle, right? you know, that we can maybe not have resolution, but another starting point. Well, um, I will say this as far as the middle. And I heard you. 
I just want you and to I know that. You. I did, and I do. Um, as it relates to the middle, I'm going to pray for it because I'm so, my reality is there ain't no middle anymore. Either the left wins and and, and yeah. we won and y'all missed it That's right. or the other way around. Right. You know. So let me, I, I got to talk about this and you're, you're so right. Um, politics in this country now are so polarized. You're either on one side or the other and I can't stand the people on the other side. That's not politics, actually. That's not even American. But when I talk about the effort that I was able to pass to remove the racist language that's on the ballot, every Democrat and every Republican supported it. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, I truly feel like in 2020, why it was successful on the ballot initially is because after George Floyd's murder, mm-hmm. some white folks felt a little guilty, too. Little some guilt. more people were woke. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get it passed on the ballot initially. That was the first step to, you know, so we could actually, we could actually do the work. But one thing we haven't get gotten caught up in, and people, again, you know, y'all see a whole lot of stuff in the news, um, but that's still just a small or a microcosm of what happens in the in the Alabama legislature. We really are not, you know, fighting each other like what you see in Washington D.C. You know, Jack Williams, Representative Jack Williams, former, um, he's no, no longer a representative, served yeah, with me I for about 16 years. He and I were good friends. Really? Yes. I could, I could, I'm going to tell you, I could straight, I could, I have dog cussed him before on a vote that he's taken. And then and I could be do able that. to be friends. But yeah, we, well, I we know. connected around other stuff. Right. Um, We actually connected because he was running for, a position in the county level, and how come I can't think of what it is? But Didn't he run for him, county commission? But he was getting ready to. Then you know they the, the yeah, whole stuff came that's up. That's what happened, mm-hmm. right? But before he was a county official and he was running for re-election, and he got the endorsement of all the black organizations. Really? Yes, because of some work that he was doing around housing, he got everybody's endorsement. Right, the ones, the nonpartisan ones. Right. White people attacked him for that, and he lost. He lost that election. Because so, black people Because black people supported him. He wow. lost that election. Um, and so we connected around, you know, that particular race, around, you know, music, mm-hmm. like music. We've mm-hmm. connected around family. We were we both were divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a friendship that transcends um politics. Um, I would say I used to be Y'all have to, or y'all you, you would just go have crazy. To, you, you, you you just have to. But I still call them to task on the types of votes. As you I mean, I call them to task. I mean, it's, it's, I mean you, you a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, you love jazz music and, you know, you do all of this research on jazz artists. But when it comes to certain issues that only impact the black community, you tell me you don't believe that way, but your vote doesn't reflect that. Right. So with it, within our f- friendships, we have to do that. So we, we are not as polarized as you think we are. On a personal level, if you can separate ideology from the person, mm-hmm. but when you do something that that disenfranchises my people, me and you ain't friends no more. Yeah, we just can't. We just can't be friends anymore. And that's where you have to draw those lines. So that's why you know, even though we have very small numbers in the legislature, Democrats, Black people. Let me tell you, when I'm in a fight, I want all of them, any of them, in a foxhole with me. Even John Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he literally did not support me in the Senate race. (laughs) (laughs) 
accusation against me that was just not. I was like, John, now you know that ain't you know that ain't even true. That ain't even happening. But if you wanted to support my opponent, you just do that. Yeah, yeah. But don't lie. But don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> Man, I tell you, politics makes strange, strange bedfellows. Bed you promise you're gonna come back? Oh yeah. I had so much fun with you. <laughs> I want to thank. I really did. I want to thank, and I'm going to. Be, I'm sure somebody else has said it, but ain't nobody said it on my podcast. I want to thank State Senator. I receive it in the name of Jesus, <laughs> Marika <I> <laughs> Coleman, for joining us. I want to thank you for listening, and as always, a huge shout out to Creed sixty three, our three sixty news, and UrbanHam.com. God bless. Hello, this is Jefferson County Sheriff Mark Petway, inviting you to join the conversation that we've started around bridging the gap to build communities that are safe and well-connected. Let's all work together to ensure that Jefferson County is a safe place for all who call it home.